This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Today, the challenge of finding landlords with Section 8 housing. But still, one of the problems is in this area, as everyone knows, there's not enough housing to start with. And we, uh, we do have uh, people on the street looking for, with vouchers looking for a place to live, and it's hard to find one. Plus, reasons the region needs more affordable housing. We need those people that serve our community to be in our community. And so that is what we have to, I think, strive for. The market won't take care of this. The market will keep expanding out to where land is cheaper to build housing. So we have to come with some creative solutions. And if you live in the Ozarks, do you live in the South, the Midwest? Where exactly? The straight answer for that would be it depends on where you live in the Ozarks. First, the news from NPR. Best Friends Animal Society is working with members of our community to save the lives of homeless pets in shelters across Arkansas and the nation. The Resource Center in Bentonville offers adoptable pets, volunteer opportunities, or sign up to provide a foster home to an animal in need. Plus food pantry, dog wash, and a weekly vaccine and microchip clinic. More at bestfriends.org NWA. It is Tuesday, July 25th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large on your public radio station, KUAF. I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later today on our show, one more collection of common word usage mistakes. Our militant grammarian, Catherine Schultz, is back to quiz Kyle about confusing words and difficult spellings. First, a few local housing authorities have noticed the demand for landlords accepting housing assistant vouchers. The region's higher housing costs remain higher, and demand for rental housing plays a part. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports. Fayetteville City Council passed a voluntary ordinance to include a registry of landlords accepting Section 8 housing assistance. This action was taken in part because some landlords are not renewing their contracts in Section 8 Housing Choice Voucher programs. This has made it more difficult for some tenants with vouchers to find housing. Mitch Minnick, the executive director of Fort Smith's Housing Authority, says there are a little over 1,500 vouchers under contract through the authority. He says typically there is an ebb and flow on the landlord list because it's voluntary and situations change for property owners. As far as landlords, you know, deciding not to accept Section 8 vouchers, that's something that we have seen here in Sebastian County as well. Overall, there is still a shortage of about 54,000 affordable rental units in Arkansas, according to the National Low Income Housing Coalition. And a study from Rent.com found the state's residential rent jumped almost 17% in 2022. He says the demand for rental units can be a deciding factor for landlords not accepting vouchers. The things that we have seen in speaking with some of our landlords that have chosen to stop participating in the housing choice voucher program is that they have sufficient demand right now for their units uh, that they don't need to participate in the program. Minnick says another thing landlords must consider is the layers to qualify for the Section 8 housing program. These include yearly unit inspections through a third party to make sure the property maintains a level of habitability. Minnick says although there were about 1,700 families on the authority's wait list with a wait time of about 22 months, that number is down from the pre-COVID-19 pandemic waiting list. 
He says wait times could range from two to three years before the pandemic. I know uh, our housing authority has been down in past years and COVID kind of slapped us in the face. That's Neil Gibson, the executive director of the Northwest Regional Housing Authority. The authority offers rental programs covering Carroll and Madison County in the west over to Baxter and Searcy County. But we've been recruiting landlords and uh, we actually got more vouchers out there this year than we had last year. So of the landowners we have, I'm not seeing them drop the voucher program. This year, Gibson says the authority does not have a wait list except processing time because it dedicated more vouchers than what is in use. But still, one of the problems is in this area, as everyone knows, there's not enough housing to start with. And we, we do have uh, people on the street looking for, with vouchers looking for a place to live, and it's hard to find one. In addition to the housing shortage, Joy Honeycutt, executive director of the Springdale Housing Authority, points out another obstacle. She says some new landlords might remodel or potentially demolish existing buildings. Honeycutt says landlords usually provide notice that they do not wish to participate in the housing voucher program around the time contracts need to be renewed. Um, so say a person's supposed to renew in August, they may come to them in May and be like, we're not going to renew with you, so, you know, you'll need to be out by August 1st. And then that person would typically let us know and we would issue them a voucher for them to go out and find another housing unit. Now, we don't personally, like, place anyone anywhere on the Section 8 voucher program. They have, they're responsible for finding their own unit. Honeycutt says there are misconceptions about the Section 8 housing program and the people involved. She says some people cannot work, have a fixed income, or need support securing safe and sanitary housing. Honeycutt says because of the region's growth, she doesn't expect the impact of the rising costs of living to end soon. So what we're hoping to see is more affordable housing solutions come up with other, you know, possibly partnering in the future, or, you know, other people that are building tax credit units. I know there's several in the area that are coming up around. That's good to see. And for Minick, he says there remains an interest from landlords to participate in the Section 8 housing program, but he has noticed a downward trend in the past couple of years. Uh, I would say for the last at least two years, it has been more heavily weighted towards landlords stopping their participation in the program. Mm -hmm. uh, we do still have you know, new landlords that are coming on, but landlords leaving the program have outweighed that over the past two years. And to try and combat that, we have been looking at expanding the number of housing authority-owned properties that we have. For Ozarks at Large in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One, I'm Anna Pope. We've been covering conversations about affordable housing in northwest Arkansas and across the state for a while now. You can hear previous stories and interviews about the subject at OzarksAtLarge.com. Our partners, the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History, 
are releasing their latest long-form interview with a prominent Arkansan, a two-part, nearly four-hour interview with retired four-star general and former NATO Supreme Allied Commander Wesley Clark can be viewed at the center's website. The interview covers Clark's time in Arkansas, he was born in Little Rock, as well as the entirety of his career. The website, priorcenter.uark.edu. We have to continue to carve out a space for Blacks and African Americans to really feel fully invested in our community here in Northwest Arkansas. Mm. On the latest episode of The Beloved Community, a podcast with the Northwest Arkansas Martin Luther King Jr. Council and KUAF, Hosts and council members Chris Seawood and Lindsay Leverett Higgins discuss the council's efforts to develop strategies aimed at improving black life in Northwest Arkansas through a new electronic census project. What is it that we're missing in Northwest Arkansas that is a vast need, a desire for people in our community? Mm. There should be and hopefully will be just more targeted investment in infrastructure to help bring those cultural amenities. Listen to the beloved community for free at KUAF.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Ahead this hour, Brooks Blevins studies the Ozarks. He's been doing so for most of his life and has written more than a dozen books about the region and the South. Now he's collected essays he's written over the past few decades about everything from the most remote Ozark country stores to selling fireworks. My first and hopefully my last experience with with extreme sleep deprivation uh, by, you know, by that last uh, by July 4th, that last year I was selling fireworks, I was. I was hallucinating, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't on anything. I mean, I had just gone without sleep for so long. Brooks Blevins discusses his book, Up South in the Ozarks, Dispatches from the Margins. Next week, he'll read from the book and sign copies at the Fayetteville Public Library and the Shiloh Museum of Ozarks History in Springdale. And we'll talk with him in about six minutes. Morning Edition from NPR News doesn't just tell you what's happening across the country and around the world. We go there so you can listen to it for yourself, whether it's rafting surging rivers in California. Dig it in. Keep going. Or taking you to a legendary crab derby in Maryland. You got a squirt bottle behind you and a bobber, okay? Go there every weekday with Morning Edition from NPR News. You can listen to Morning Edition tomorrow and every weekday morning from 5 to 9 on KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. And I'm Kyle Kellams. A third sitting justice on the Arkansas Supreme Court is seeking the chief justice position. Justice Barbara Webb announced she's running, joining Justices Karen Baker and Rhonda Wood in the race. Current chief justice John Dan Kemp is not seeking another term. Updated flood maps for Washington County will become official early next year. FEMA has finalized the maps, and during the next six months, a FEMA compliance specialist will work with communities to update each floodplain ordinance in a move to update those maps. FEMA is encouraging residents to examine the new maps to determine if they are in a low to moderate high-risk flood zone. Current and future flood maps can be viewed at the FEMA website. Talk Business and Politics reports home sales in Washington and Benton counties are down compared to last year. Combined, the number of homes sold in the two counties in the first six months of 2023 are 14.6% lower than the first six months of 2022. Talk Business also reports combined sales volume this year through June is also down by almost 9%. 
The full report is available at talkbusiness.net. A Ukrainian scholar studying at the University of Arkansas this summer after her studies in Ukraine were interrupted by the Russian invasion will discuss her experiences tomorrow night. Anna Kolchuk relocated to the U of A through a fellowship to raise awareness about the fragility and importance of democracy. Her talk, Global Series, The Universal Struggle for Freedom and Unity, Ukraine's Fight, is tomorrow evening at 530 in Gerhard Hall on the U of A campus. A new University of Arkansas building still under construction is earning a pair of international honors. The Anthony Timberland's Center for Design and Materials Innovation won outright the World Architecture Festival 2023 award in the building technology category and is one of nine projects shortlisted in the future projects education category. Earlier this year, the structure was named the overall winner in the Architectural Review Future Projects Awards. The center, part of the Faye Jones School of Architecture and Design, is under construction in the university's Art and Design District on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in South Fayetteville. The Northwest Arkansas Naturals can claim part of first place in the Texas League North Division with a win in North Little Rock tonight. The Nats enter the game tonight against the Travelers, just one game back of the first-place Travs in the season's second-half standings. Tonight's game, the first of six this week between the two clubs. Naturals' next game in Springdale, one week from tonight against Wichita. And it remains hot this week across the listening area. The National Weather Service projects high temperatures from the high 90s to 100 degrees for the region through at least next Monday. This is Ozarks at Large. Considering the Ozarks isn't new for Brooks Blevins. Brooks is the Noel Boyd Professor of Ozark Study at Missouri State University, and he's authored more than a dozen books connected to the Ozarks, his native Arkansas, and what it means to be an Ozarker. His latest book, Up South in the Ozarks, Dispatches from the Margins, collects essays he's written about the Ozarks' relation to the South, Southerners' relationships with fireworks, the country general store, race relations in the Ozarks, and much more. The book examines rural stereotypes and realities, from pop culture's embrace of the hillbilly to Ozark entrepreneurship. You could say how a place can be both Ernest T. Bass and Bass Pro Shops. Brooks Blevins will discuss Up South in the Ozarks, Dispatches from the Margins, published by the University of Arkansas Press, on Wednesday, August 2nd at the Fayetteville Public Library and Thursday, August 3rd at the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History in Springdale. Brooks Blevins, welcome back to Ozarks at Large. Thanks for having me, Kyle. And uh, I may have to steal that. Ernest T. Bass and Bass Pro Shops line. That's pretty good. Well, it is as much yours as it is mine. Uh, the title is Up South in the Ozarks. And I'm curious how and why you landed on that first word in the title, up. Well, I guess this this goes back to my, my original idea for this collection uh, was was a sort of hybrid of Southern history and Ozarks history. Uh, I, my, my training is in, in Southern history. Uh, you don't go to Auburn to study the Ozarks. And uh, so, uh, so I, I studied Southern history and, and I just ended up in this rabbit hole sort of on the margin of the South, the Ozarks. And so I approached this from kind of the beginning with the standpoint of Southern history. And of course, if you're talking about 
the south in general uh for most places you got to go up to get to the ozarks uh it's a sort of a northwestern corner northwestern appendage of of the greater south uh and and so that's where i came up with uh, the up south idea in fact the first essay in up south in the ozarks dispatches from the margins you discuss you consider the relationship between the ozarks and the south and i think it's a consideration that almost anybody who is from the ozarks or has lived in the region for some time has thought about themselves if not out loud are we part of the south if so how much part of the South are we? Yeah, I guess that the straight answer for that would be it depends on where you live in the Ozarks or maybe where you grew up in the Ozarks. That that Arkansas-Missouri state line plays a big role in that. And, uh, I mean, it, you know, there's not a whole lot of difference in the terrain and uh, the folk life and the culture on either side of that line. But there's a lot of difference in history, specifically how Missouri and Arkansas experienced the Civil War. And I think a lot of uh, that Southern identity goes back to uh, which side uh, your state identified with or which side your family identified with in the Civil War. So I guess the kind of the the broad brush answer would be if you grew up in the Arkansas Ozarks, you probably grew up thinking of yourself as a Southerner. If you grew up in the Missouri Ozarks, you probably didn't. You would probably describe yourself as a Midwesterner or something like that. And and I've just recently heard several people in the Missouri Ozarks make the claim that the Ozarks is in the Midwest. Hmm. And those of us in the Arkansas Ozarks uh, would would react uh, uh, but that's you know that's kind of the divide that's where it where it divides and I've found very few people in the Missouri Ozarks who who actively identify as a southerner and when you do if they know anything about their family history you can almost pry back in there and find a confederate ancestor somewhere or a confederate sympathizing ancestor somewhere Another exercise you've engaged in over time is finding real country stores that are in the Ozarks, including what you write are end-of-the-line stores. What is an end-of-the-line store? Yeah, an, an end-of-the-line store, in my definition, is, uh, and, they're, and they're pretty few and far between now, but it's, it's a store in some community that's at the end of a state highway somewhere. Or maybe it doesn't necessarily even have to be a state highway, but you're not going to find a lot of county road stores anymore. But uh, but yeah, the end of the line store, you drive to the to the end of the state highway or the end of the blacktop as we as we call it, and and there's the store. And I you know I found a, a few of those in the Ozarks when I was traveling around several years ago trying to trying to find these old country stores and document them for the for the 21st century. Uh, the one that that I that comes to mind uh, is a is a little store in a small community called Bethesda, which is actually in Independence County, not far from Batesville, Arkansas, and it's just literally at the at the end of the the state highway there, and and you go on past, and it soon turns into gravel roads, and and you run into the river, and there ain't no ferry, and there ain't no bridge across White River there, so. 
that's that's the end of the line for that but there was a there was a nice little country store there it's still there it's under a different ownership uh i think it's got a different name now than it had all those years ago when i when i first visited but but that's one that comes to mind for me bethesda arkansas not bethesda maryland <laughs> and i love the places that as a map that's included in up south in the ozarks uh shows the places that at the time the map was created that still had some of these stores and these aren't chain convenience stores these are you know locally owned places like right. fallsville tilly um squires van zant i mean you don't get to these stores on well maybe you do get to them on accident but it's a pretty big accident by the time you get to those communities yeah well, and the, the funnest way to get to them is by accident. Yes. Uh, you know, on occasion, I found places like that. I would just strike off across the countryside. Well, what I really what I did, what uh, this little fun project grew out of my move to Missouri um, when I when I became the, the Noel Boyd professor of Ozark studies at Missouri State in 2008, uh, being from Arkansas. I didn't really know that much about Missouri geography. And, and I, so about the first year or so that I taught at Missouri state about probably about one day a week, or at least a couple days a month, I would, uh, I would just take off and spend much of the day just driving through the countryside. I'd, you know, I'd ha had my trusty Atlas and I'd just pick a place that I had never been to in Missouri. And I would, I would just go. And then, I sort of fell in love with these little country stores that I would encounter accidentally. And then I, then I made it, a, uh, you know, made, made it part of my purpose to, to find these stores in both Missouri and, and Arkansas after a while. And so, so yeah, a lot of these, uh, are places that are really, really out of the way that, uh, you've pretty much got to, got to be going there on purpose to get there or you're really lost one or the other and uh and it was it was uh it was just a great experience unfortunately uh, a lot of the stores that i visited are closed now uh, this was you know 14 15 yeah. years ago and, uh, and a lot of those have since closed down some of them are completely gone they just they burnt or somebody just tore them down something like that but uh uh but it was it was great i I drank way too many Mountain Dews on, on these trips and uh, probably too many candy bars. And so shortly after that, I started getting in shape and that ended my country store uh, trail riding. And uh, I guess started my mountain bike uh, trail riding. And you don't find a lot of country stores when you're out riding a mountain bike unless no. you're just really, really good shape and you, and you ride for miles and miles and miles. Years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I think there was one in Snowball, which, of course, is at the end of a state highway. I don't know if it's still right. there or not. Yeah, I don't think the Snowball store is still there. Yeah. Uh, nearby, uh, back when I was driving these trails, there was one in uh, Whit Springs, uh, which is, is close to Snowball. And uh, and I think it's still open. But, yeah, I don't think there's one in, in Jimmy Driftwood's old Snowball yeah. anymore. Yeah, and I don't think you can – I don't think I could get to Snowball without going through Whit Springs. That's the only way I know to get there. Yeah, yeah, from, from your direction, yeah. yeah, that's right. 
Finally, uh, I people need to pick up this book. If only, I mean, oh, I loved each essay, but the the second one where you write about being a fireworks salesman and going from town to town in the South and putting up the tent, and some were great sales cities and some were not. I just think people should read that because it's a it's a part of life that most of us haven't thought about it. I'm guessing you wouldn't trade those years now for anything, maybe even if they were frustrating at times. Oh, yeah. And you can bet they were frustrating at, at times. Uh, you know, I, I had I almost had flashback. I uh, just a week ago today, I got back from uh, from being in Washington, D.C. for two weeks for the Smithsonian Folklife Festival, which was focused on the, the Ozarks uh, this summer. And at times there, I mean, we were outside all day. We were often under tents. Uh, and I mean, it was, you know, it's an outdoor festival on the, on the mall there in, in DC. And I was sweating the whole time. It was hot and sticky. And, and a few times I thought, man, this is, this is like, I've been transported back in time. The only thing missing is, uh, you know, a, a, a box of, 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 uh, bottle rockets or something. And, and then I would be right, right back in it. But, but yeah, that was, uh, I, I guess it was probably over about a 10 year period from the time I graduated high school until almost the time that I finished my PhD that I, that I worked as a fireworks salesman and sometimes as a truck driver and delivery man and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was, it is, I, the farther I get away from it, the weirder it seems that, <laughs> that I actually uh, did all that stuff. And I, uh, and it took me to a lot of places that I otherwise wouldn't have, uh, that, that I wouldn't have made it to, you know, I spent time in small towns in West Virginia and North Carolina, and I spent a, you know, part of a summer in Cape Girardeau and, uh, different places in Arkansas and, and, uh, you know, just traveling around delivering these things. But it, it very much was what I would consider to be kind of a Southern experience. You get, you get a good feel for how the South changes as you grow you know it's such a huge region uh the south is uh the southern part of the united states is bigger than most nations in the world and and so you have these you have these changes in and what we call a southern accent from place to place and you have uh the changes in the kind of stores you see and the you know the demographics and all that kind of stuff so so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't trade it uh for anything but uh but it, it 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 was uh you know it could be maddening and uh and it gave me my my first and hopefully my last experience with with extreme sleep deprivation uh by you know by that last uh by July 4th that last year I was selling fireworks I was I was hallucinating and I'm pretty sure I wasn't on anything I mean I had just gone without sleep for so long you know sleeping in a fireworks tent or spending all night driving a uh, a u-haul truck from one fireworks tent to another tent to deliver fireworks that i was just i was zoned out and i i don't even remember how i got back to arkansas from north carolina that summer uh i was you know i just i i don't i don't i don't even know how to explain it but it, it's a it was a crazy time and it that fireworks article I originally wrote close to 20 years ago when it was still pretty fresh on my mind. And, and I probably got more feedback about, you know, that, 
that piece than than anything else just because it you know it's fun and it's it's personal and it's irreverent and and uh it's just something that most people don't expect and don't know anything about and they should be thankful that they don't know anything <laughs> about that that uh it's just a it's a crazy business to be in yeah it's it, it was it was it was crazy and I, and I hope people enjoy that essay it it was one of one of the first attempts I made years ago to step out of the traditional historians role the you know the kind of third person detached historians uh, viewpoint and and write something that combined actual scholarly history with with a first person viewpoint and and incorporated humor and and all that kind of stuff and and uh, and I love doing that because I you know I don't just want to write for a handful of academics and other history professors uh, who generally don't read everything anyway you know you just read the introduction and, and mine what what you're looking for and then you go on and I you know I enjoy writing for for people who just like to read stuff, just like to read something that's fun and informative. And, and hopefully that's what up South in the Ozarks will prove to be for a lot of people, something that's uh, both informative and, and fun at times. Brooks Blevins is the author of several books, including his most recent published by the University of Arkansas Press, Up South in the Ozarks, Dispatches from the Margins. He's also the Noel Boyd Professor of Ozark Studies at Missouri State University. He'll be at the Fayetteville Public Library Wednesday, August 2nd at 6 p.m. and at the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History in Springdale Thursday, August 3rd, beginning at 2 that day. Brooks Blevins, as always, thank you for your time. Thanks, Kyle. I enjoyed it. The Lunch Hour Summer Concert Series, sponsored by McDonald's, kicks off July 28th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with Steph Simon of Fire in Little Africa. This artist and his multimedia hip-hop project commemorate the 1921 massacre in Tulsa's Greenwood neighborhood, known as Black Wall Street. The concert takes place at the McDonald's location in the Greenwood District in Tulsa. For more, KUAF.com forward slash summer concerts. This is Ozarks at Large. The Northwest Arkansas Metropolitan Statistical Area is well past 500,000 people now, but much of the infrastructure, roads, bridges, housing, health care, workforce, isn't keeping pace with the increasing population. On this week's episode of the podcast, I Am Northwest Arkansas, host Randy Wilburn explores that topic and collaborative efforts to address some of those challenges with Nelson Peacock, the CEO of the Northwest Arkansas Council. In this excerpt from the podcast, Peacock discusses a few of the partners the council is working with on major regional issues, like increasing the workforce. And the idea is you can't just have a, a workforce program in Springdale or Fayetteville or Bentonville. The towns are too small. So how do we work to make sure they have regional impact with employers across the region? And so that's kind of how we divide up the work. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure you can appreciate it, having lived in D.C. and also California, and you understand the concept of, hey, this is mine, go, you know, I got mine, you go get yours. That sentiment doesn't exist here in Northwest Arkansas. I mean, and again, like I said, you've seen a lot in your travels and in your profession, but I have just seen this place, being Northwest Arkansas, to be an overly collaborative area where everybody's looking for ways to help each other out even if they're competitors. That's right. I, you know, I think that actually goes all the way back to the genesis of the council. There was an expectation from the leaders 
that we would find a way to work together. You know, at the time, Fayetteville was giving something up to move the airport to where it is now. Yeah. They had the, you know, the Fayetteville airport. Rogers was pursuing, uh, trying to, to expand their access to air travel. So they all gave something up to get something that's better for everyone. And that happens on a daily basis. And so, you know, but I do think it's the expectations of the business community. It is the ex- expectations that have built up over time that we're going to find a way to collaborate. And ultimately, I think everyone has seen success by doing it that way. Yeah. Uh, and that leads to more collaboration, more cooperation. You know, if you're seen as not being collaborative, you'll pretty soon probably be excluded from the meetings where you want to be, right. where the solutions are trying to be figured out. So we're very fortunate. This was happening before I got here, so I can't take credit for it, but it has continued to build. As we grow, as we get bigger, I think we'll all have to work harder to make sure that that spirit maintains itself. But uh, right now, we're in a really good spot as far as cooperation and collaboration. Yeah. So in that same vein, when you start to kind of talk about infrastructure development, how is the council playing a role in that? And what, what have you guys, what success have you found in the focus of infrastructure? And when I think of infrastructure, I think of obviously better roads, better buildings. It is placemaking at the highest level where you're able to come in and say, hey, this is what we need in this community. This is what we need in Springdale. This is what we need in Rogers. This is what we need in Johnson. This is what we need in Bentonville and Bella Vista and all these areas that make up Northwest Arkansas. Can you just speak to the importance of the infrastructure focus? Well, you know, all the cities and the counties have great planners, and so they're putting together their plans. There's the the Regional Planning Commission that we work closely with. And so what the council does is we try to overlay that and identify the the most high-priority projects to, you know, to get everyone rallying around. The most recent example or the example when I first got here where the council was intimately involved and part of the success was getting the Bella Vista bypass done. Right. That was languishing there for two decades where Arkansas had the money at one point, Missouri didn't have the money and vice versa. And so they never decided to make, make it meet in the middle. And so we came when I got here, I was asking about what's going on with that. We've got the fastest growing region in the country and we don't even have an interstate <laughs> connection. You know, it right. ends it ends three miles north of Walmart. How yeah. can that be? And we were able, because of our we're not a government entity, so we were able to go to Missouri and find out what's going on and how could we get them to prioritize that. And ultimately we were able to get everyone to agree and our congressional delegation was helpful. We were able to get a, a build grant for twenty five million. Yep. And we didn't need the money on the Arkansas side. We'd already set that aside because of the half-cent sales tax that we had passed for highways. We gave that money to Missouri yeah, to allow them, plus their own money that we convinced the governor to provide, to build their section to the state line. And so a lot of people thought that was crazy, that we would take our money and give it away. But to us, it was federal money. Yep. And it was, you can't build the, the road to nowhere. We had to make a connection, and so ultimately that is the role that the council played that no other group could have done or would have had the resources you know, to go do it. And so that was one of the main areas where we focus now. 
We worked really hard to get the half cent sales tax extension, and we're working really collaboratively with the Arkansas Highway Department to get 112 uh, built, which is part of the plan, Sure, all the way from Fayetteville to Bentonville. That plan is out there, and uh, construction should start relatively soon. Highway, getting the, the highway to the airport is key. That project is almost planned and ready to go. Yep. And then finally, we've, we really need to get the 412 bypass built. We've been talking about that since for 20 years. Uh, one of the council staffers, Rob Smith, used to be a journalist. Yes. <laughs> and he pulled an article from 20 or 2002. Yeah talking about that bypass and people saying, oh, we'll get it done in the next five years. Right. So that was over 20 years ago. We've got to get that project done. The more we build around it, the harder it's going to be, the more exactly. expensive it's going to be. So we're hopeful that the the highway department will work with us, with the business community and and really expedite that project. And so that is kind of how we work. We kind of take these big, the biggest of priorities that are going to have regional impact. And then we work with all the regional planners. You know, we're not planners. Uh, we don't build highways. What we try to do is align priorities and then, if need be, help identify the funding to make it happen. Yeah. Well, and let's say that there's certainly plenty of work out there to be done. So, That's right. Yeah. And you guys are achieving it little by little. Yeah. The, the other area, I don't know if it's infrastructure or not, but the housing issues that we are facing. Yeah. This really came up quickly affordability, combined affordability and a great job has really been our special sauce yeah. out in the world. And that's starting to change. Now, we're still way lower than a lot of these big urban areas, but a good house is increasingly becoming unattainable. Yeah, uh, And that is, we've called this our inflection point for the region. Last year, we basically said, you know, we have to keep growing. We have to continue to make these investments in our economy in our quality of life to continue to attract people. But if we don't get ahead or catch up to this housing issue and transit issues, infrastructure, you know, we are going to be in a place 20 years down the line where this place looks a lot different uh, than it does today yeah. with, you know, up to a million people, you know, in the next 20 years from the 550,000 we are today, where are all those people going to go? Right. You know, we can't keep spreading out. They're going to have to be in the footprint of our major cities today. So I think people are going to have to learn to embrace a little bit of density in the right locations done the right way with high quality construction in and around amenities in and around our schools. You can't have teachers that live in Salem Springs and teach in Bentonville. That's no good for the community. That's not good for that family. That's what happens in San Francisco. In Boston. In Boston right. and New York where yeah. teachers are commuting two hours. Firefighters are commuting two hours, police officers. We need those people that serve our community to be in our community. And so that is what we have to, I think, strive for. The market won't take care of this. The market will keep expanding out to where land is cheaper to build housing. So we have to come with some creative solutions to build within the footprints of our existing cities to address this challenge. And it's actually one of the values of a number of the speaker series that you do, because you bring all of these different parties to the table to say, hey, we have to come up with a solution. We can't just sit by and let time happen and us not address this. And so even with the, the workforce housing and workforce development, specifically the workforce housing, that's something where I've talked to folks from ULI and other organizations that say, hey, 
we have the infill that we can do it properly, but it needs to be done now. That's right. And a That's lot. Right. Fortunately in this, and like so many other things, there are cities that we can look to that have done things right. But let's be honest, most of them have done things wrong. Sure. And I think most of that, if you go ask those leaders, say in Austin or the Bay Area or Los Angeles, is they didn't take it as seriously as they should have. Right. Because it's hard. It's hard when there's a new project going up, you will see it. And every project that city councils vote on here, now there's someone that is upset about that new development. (laughs) And so hopefully through the council's work and the Workforce Housing Center, we can create an environment where those decisions will be easier. And everyone has an understanding that we're going to get the community that we build. Right. So if we don't build it the right way, and if we continue to sprawl out into the countryside, then we will be a community of commutes and traffic. And, you know, if you look out 20 years and you have a young child here today, that's not the community that, that you want them to be raised in. No. Or that's not a community. They, they may not want to stay in a community like that. So we have to do this work starting now and really uh, try to get aggressive about it. The speaker series is all about education, not only the general public, but you know, trying to educate our policymakers, builders, practitioners. Are, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, those are great. I would commend anyone to go to our website and find those. You, you will see things that have happened in other cities and just how to redesign a big shopping mall parking lot. And you're like, that is a place that I want to live in. You <laughs> right. know? And so it, the visuals are really compelling of what we can do if we get this right. You can find the entire conversation between Nelson Peacock, the CEO of the Northwest Arkansas Council, and Randy Wilburn, the host of I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast at IamNorthwestArkansas.com or by clicking on the local podcast button under the Listen tab on KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large. Catherine Charles or Milton Grimmer is with us. We're going to do more words that I mess up. We're back for our last installment of some of the 38-word usage mistakes even smart people make. As we have proven. As compiled by Elvin Ward and on the website Mental Floss. We'll start with a triple banger. Okay. Kyle, how would you spell it if I said I would ensure that your wallet is returned? If you're going to make sure that my wallet is returned to you, if you're going to insure it, it's going to be E-N-S-U-R-E. Correct. What would I-N-S-U-R-E? Uh, wouldn't I'm fit taking this it, way. Right. I'm taking out a policy. Yeah. 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 Insurance. Yeah. Uh, insurance yeah. with an I is about the insurance right. agent, period. That's it. To insure with an E is to make sure something does or doesn't happen. To insure it with an I is to use a more specific type of guarantee and insurance policy. And that one's an easy one to remember yeah. if you yeah. think about yeah. Insure is yeah. short Once for insurance. Once you learn that, yeah. yeah. And then there's assure. How do you spell that? A-S-S-U-R-E? Correct. Which seems a lot like insure with an E. Use assure in a sentence. I think it means to promise. I assure you mm. that I'll bring my wallet and yeah. you will not have to buy dinner this time. Right. It means to tell someone something positively or conveniently, confidently yes. to dispel any doubts they may have. 
The difference is subtle, but Asher with an A distinctively implies the removal of doubt mm-hmm. and suspense from a person's mind. So I guess it's the stronger. Yeah. Yeah, insure or a definitive. Mm-hmm. Here's one I might use incorrectly, Kyle, except that I would look it up. What does disperse mean with a P? I think of like a crowd disperses, so they're separating. They're mm-hmm. moving apart from each other. Scatter, separate, okay. or sprinkle around. And what is its troublesome twin? It's, it's almost impossible to hear the difference between them. You replace the P with something. Disperse. Wait. It sounds like I'm saying the other one, doesn't it? What are you saying? I'm saying D-I-S-B-U-R-S-E. Oh, disper- disperse. Disperse. Like to hand out a per diem? Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. To, to, hand, to give something out? It's only to give out money. Only money? Only money. So I can't disperse goodwill? Mm, don't know. I mean, I guess if you're giving someone money, that's kind of <laughs> yeah, goodwill. But, but it's specifically money. It, that's Interesting. What, that's okay. what this... I could not hear any difference between well, disperse and disperse. When you said it, uh-uh. you know, I, okay. Okay, Kyle, I'm sure you've waited for something with bated breath. I have. How did you spell it? Well, you're tempted <laughs> like you're baiting a hook, B-A-I-T, but it's B-A-T-E-D. Correct. Uh, the breath is reduced. It's, it's, a, it's related to abated. Mm-hmm. Uh, your breath is reduced or almost held in anticipation. You have to add an I after the A when you go fishing. B-A-I-T. I like that. I like that. Kyle, who's the founder of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art? Alice Walton. Mm -hmm. And do you know another meaning for the word founder? I know flounder. Founder. Um, She was lost and then I found her. <laughs> no, I off the top of my head I do not. It's spelled the same way as uh-huh. the one you're thinking uh-huh. of. She's the founder. It means to sink or fall. The building founder, you've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that, mm-hmm. but I would not have thought of that. If your business is foundering, it may be best to cut your losses. It's so interesting because one is to build something to begin the process, right? Alice Walton the founder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And the other one yeah. is the opposite. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. If you heartily agree with something someone says, what common word might you say twice to show your support? This is how I imagine the Continental Congress acting. <laughs> here, here. Yes. And how do you spell it? I want to say it's H-E-A-R. It is. Okay. Yeah. Because I've always thought of it as hear, hear my argument. Hear this. Yeah. Hear what I'm about to say. That's right. It came from the sense of hear him out. Hear this. Which is exactly what you were thinking. But if I want my dog Daisy to bring me back the ball and I point <laughs> and say, here, here, yeah. H-E-R-E. Correct. Kyle, when you tell Laura a good joke you heard, do you <laughs> want her to to be amused or to be bemused? I think she should be amused. I think she's more often than not bemused. <laughs> okay, what's the difference in them? Amused is you're, that's tickled your funny bone. Mm-hmm. You think it's humorous. Mm-hmm. Bemused, I think I would define as kind of confused exactly. or okay. That's right. Yeah. In my marriage, the attempts to amuse <laughs> often leave me bemused. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, do you know which actor or movie contained this phrase? I guess an actor doesn't contain one. <laughs> what actor said this or what movie contained the phrase? I'd like to offer you a hearty hand clasp. One generation, you 
Remember Norm Crosby, who was mm-hmm. a guy with the mallet props? Mm-hmm. But I think we're talking about W.C. Fields. You are. Yeah. Well, I am, yes. The Bank Dick. Very that, funny movie. That's the movie, yeah. Uh, and how would you spell hearty? Uh, you have a hearty hand clasp. Oh, oh, that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> it's not, I'll tell you what it's not first. It's not H-E-A-R-T-Y. Unless it is. <laughs> I'm trying not to look at you. Is it H-E-A-R-T-Y? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, what, what would it be otherwise? Hardy or hardy? I was overthinking it. Well, I was what, thinking. What is the other hardy? Hardy. Yeah. Like H-A-R-D. Yeah. Which is? Full of gumption, right? Yeah. Well. Full of health. Yeah. Yeah. Or. or yeah. Hale and hardy, right. Uh, tough uh, and durable. Yeah. 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 So it is a hardy coming from the heart. Mm-hmm. A hearty is for things that are warm and nourishing, like a robust welcome or an abundant feast. They have heart. Okay. Hardy, with a D, is for things that are tough and durable. They can stand up to the elements and survive. They are hard. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hill folk are hardy people. Mm -hmm. Well, you could be hardy and hardy. You could. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kyle, I have a deep-seated fear of rodents. Mm. So the recent rat problem has left me pretty on edge. How do you spell deep-seated? Mm. Mm. So our options here, obviously mm-hmm. deep is D-E-E-P hyphen. It's either S-E-A-T-E-D, but I, I am going to go with S-E-E-D-E-D, deep-seated, because it comes from deep within. Oh. Damn. <laughs> huh. There's no deep-seated, right? There That's is no deep-seated at all, which, I, you know, I think I could put a seed deep enough in yes. the ground that you'd say it was deep-seated, but well, that but would then be it wouldn't, stupid. And it wouldn't be hyphenated. <laughs> well, it could be a yeah, deep-seated yeah. Yeah. It, seed. It, it would, but it's, it's, a, it's a predicate yeah. adjective, yeah. yeah. Kyle, my husband is a dabbler in hoarding. Mm-hmm. I joke that he has a drawer marked pieces of string too small to save. <laughs> there are two spellings of hoard. Mm-hmm. How do you spell each and what do they mean? All right. One has an E at the end. So H-O-A-R-D-E. The other has a, no E, H-O-A-R-D. One, the second one you said right, and you got the E right, but you spelled the inner part wrong. H. What would you leave out? H-O-R-D? H-O-R-D. H-O-R-D. D-E. 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 I got you. No A. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. No A. Mm -hmm. And, okay, so one means to collect. Mm -hmm. Two. Mm -hmm. And that is with an E. And the other is, I think, of Genghis Khan. No. 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 (laughs) The A is the collection. H-O-A-R-D. E is Genghis Khan and his Uh, roving. I always heard of. He had a, hordes of people that would come in and well, trash. Well, a big crowd. Sack a village, yeah. Yeah, but it's not him it, it, himself. <laughs> no, no, no. No, Genghis Khan and his horde. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yes. a, a, a big yes. crowd. You yes. Okay. These two next two words aren't actually homophones, not if you pronounce them correctly. Okay. The words are conscience and Oof. conscious. Okay. What's the difference? Conscience is that voice inside you that you should do the right thing mm-hmm. or you feel like you didn't do the mm-hmm. thing. And the other, conscious, is a state of being. Yeah. I'm awake. I'm alert. Yeah, okay. I'm going to ask you a further, uh, an advanced question. Mm-hmm. One's a noun and one's an adjective. Right. Which, which, which? Um, my conscience 
is the noun. Yes. And state of being, conscious, yes. is an adjective. Okay. He's, he's conscious now, doctor. Yeah. 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 Uh, a conscious, conscience <laughs> can be cleared mm-hmm. or keep you awake at night or tell you what decision to make. Conscious is a description of a state. If you're conscious, you're yeah. awake and aware. Yeah. This final pair is one I often see misused. Kyle, I can pour over a paper. Which one means I'm applying paint to a piece of paper? And how do you spell both of them, I guess? So one is you're really studying it. Mm-hmm. And the other is you are putting something on it. So yeah. pour, P-O-U-R, is applying a substance. Correct. And then pour, would that be P-O-R-E? Correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. When you study a document carefully, you pour P-O-R-E over it. If you were to pour something over it, like juice or coffee, that would make it much harder to read. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, Kyle, we'll be no longer with these mistakes, right? Or on to new ones. Uh, I'll be happy to to oblige. Catherine Sherald is our militant grammarian. Professor Kelly Richmond Pope specializes in forensic accounting. The intersection between accounting, fraud, social psychology, and just a dash of being super nosy. And she says you might be surprised by who's committing fraud. All perpetrators really are not the same. Everybody does not steal for greed. The psychology of white-collar crime, next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. The TED Radio Hour, Sunday afternoon at 1 on KUAF. On tomorrow's Ozarks at Large, we're talking soccer. What does the addition of a professional soccer club mean to Northwest Arkansas? I think that it's another really good addition for an area that's growing and that is looking to offer people opportunities to feel more like they belong to Northwest Arkansas. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth talks to a co-founder of the club, future fans, and more tomorrow at noon and at 7 p.m. right here on 91.3 KUAF. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and West Point. Today's show was put together in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Contributors today included Anna Pope, Randy Wilburn, and Catherine Schultz. Our underwriting director at KUAF is Ryan Versi. You can listen to the podcast version of our show by downloading it from KUAF.com or by subscribing on your preferred podcast source. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thank you so much for listening. Um, tomorrow on our show, we've already talked about Daniel Cruz's report about soccer. Mm-hmm. I just got off the phone with uh, the curator at the Wingate Art Museum at Hendricks College in Conway. They have some new works there with definitive Northwest Arkansas connections. Mm-hmm. That conversation tomorrow as well. That's awesome. And if you ever want to hear any of our previous stories, you can head on over to our website, ozarksatlarge.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Kansas City Jazz Ensemble Horoscope will transform 11 at Crystal Bridges into an intimate jazz club Friday, July 28th at 8 p.m., complete with handcrafted drinks, cabaret seating, and music overlooking the water. Horoscope is a tribute to the music of Horace Silver, covering compositions which include an array of styles. More information at digjazz.com.